My guest this episode is Kevin Hagino. Kevin spent seven and a half years at Lego on their incubation and creative play labs team, and most recently was with Kraken launching their NFT marketplace. This is an incredibly fun and interesting conversation that I hope will help many. I think Kevin has a lot of really interesting things and perspectives to share. And before I forget, you can find this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, search for Give Different and subscribe. And here we go. Before you got into Web3, you were at what I think is, I, and I, I've never met anyone at Lego, but I think Lego is one of the coolest companies out there. I mean, I, I wanted to show you this. For Christmas this year, I don't, you know, like if my family or my, my, my uh, uh, mother or father-in-law ask what I want, uh, honestly, I, I feel like I, I don't really need anything. And so I'll like, I'll Lego, you know, any kind of Lego. <laughs> Boom. I have an Aston Martin car. Well, that's nice. Yeah. Is, yeah, is so, that a Speed Champions? This, it's, well, the, the exact model of this is the Vantage GT3, but I don't know what, I don't think, I don't. Because we have like, all, Lego has all these like sort of franchises, if you will, right? There's like the kids oh. franchises and then there's this line uh, called Speed Champions where they have partnerships with all these kind of legit car companies and sports cars and um, that, that might be one of them. Not sure. That's cool. Yeah, in in this this one was, so I've I've had some of those like adult oriented Legos, like where you have like the architecture ones. Those are really cool. I've actually gifted my my dad those ones. Uh, he really enjoys building Lego. There's something about like Lego that just never gets old, even if you get older. So it's whoever was the one at Lego who thought like, hey, let's let's build some Lego sets. They're geared to an older demographic. That was like a genius move because it got me back into Lego and thinking Lego, hey, it's it's for everyone. Um, but anyways, this yeah, was that like, was um, that was a really a really good move actually. Like there was a lot of debate internally because like the reality is we knew like we had millions of adult fans, millions. Mm. Yet there was this sort of internal ethos like no, we're like about the kids and we want to like build the future of these children and the builders of tomorrow, as we would call it. And they're like, look, like we're leaving millions of dollars on the table. So like, let's start like a kind of adult targeted like line. And so it just like started spinning those wheels and now it's, yeah, it's a, it's a machine. That's so interesting. So I, yeah, I was, I guess I never really thought of the process of how that came to be, but it's interesting to hear that there was like, some resistance at first to the idea. Um, but then I'm sure once like the, what was the first like adult oriented set that came out? Do you know, was it one of those architecture sets like Paris or like London? Yeah, I think architecture was, was definitely architecture. I think came about, um, through like a very agile process, um, where it was never meant like, okay, let's do this and uh you know build some set targeted towards uh adults like i think it was just some mm. some guys in a room who were smashing ideas together and i think they ran a pilot and sold you know x number of them and realized like hey this is we're on to something um and uh, i've actually got 
for some of those who who know Singapore, they they might recognize it. But it's like uh, Marina Bay Sands is this sort of famous structure in Singapore where it's like these three big towers and this kind of literal pool on top that. Oh yeah, scales. I've seen this. I've seen this. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I've I've got like an architecture sort of exclusive set on that, and that like literally goes for five hundred on the secondary market, like at a minimum. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Okay. Well, okay. Before we like talk about what you what you did at Lego, um, what is the most um, like? So you said you would get like staff only type releases, I guess, right. every Christmas. Yeah. So, like, what was your favorite? Do you have any like that's kind of rise to the top? Yeah, yeah. Like the the one that I I think I would refuse to sell um, is. Um, a relatively tall, like maybe it can a little bit over your knees. Uh, it's a nutcracker. Um, and it's really special. Like normally Lego boxes are like these sort of rectangular mm -hmm. sort of a things, but because it's a nutcracker, it's this vertical thing. And then the, the, the top of the packaging is this triangle and it's really special. So I think that one is, um, yeah, is, is quite nice amongst amongst the others. Like there's a number of other different sets. I think there was um like a, a Christmassy looking X Wing. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> hey, that's cool. Um, I like some Star Wars fans would pay a lot for that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Actually, so I, we we sold that for, for a decent amount uh the other week. <laughs> some people flip <laughs> NFTs, others flip Lego. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, it's uh, there's a market for everything. It's it's really funny. <laughs> that's crazy so what kind of like what size are the these releases like how how many are they creating um, the for example yeah so those are literally for every single employee um in the company okay. so i don't recall how many we had working there but i'm sure it's like between 10 15 20 000 people right but still, um, when when you consider like what's what's Lego's audience? Yeah, like, so I mean, like actual, Lego's audience, yeah. uh, like in terms of who would sort of buy that, right? Well, just um, buy Lego. Period. Yeah, it's probably tens of, if not hundreds of millions, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Like it's it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, and they have been. Uh, consistently growing so they, they went through like one major tough time um around like i think 2005 ish i could be wrong but like nearly bankruptcy and so there's a you know a number of books written on that um yeah. and um they really transformed recovered from that and then in around 2000 and i think 17 it was sort of a rough time but ever since then it's been like ridiculous and then covid just like accelerated yeah. i mean uh to the detriment of many parents like my <laughs> I, I had buddies that were writing me they're like dude i i have so many lego city sets and it's all your fault like i do not <laughs> need more um because there was nothing else to do um, right yeah everyone's stuck inside like they had to do something yeah Exactly. So, um, and then surprisingly post COVID, the growth has been consistent, like mm. over double digit beyond expectations. And so it's like, you could argue like you don't even need marketing cause it's just like selling no. itself. 
at this point. I, one of the most, I have so many questions to ask you. Um, one of the most genius moves that Lego did, in my opinion, is just uh, incorporating other IP into their right. sets. And yeah. so, like, I'm a, I'm a big Harry Potter fan. Um, my kids are huge Minecraft fans. Like, whenever we go to Target or Walmart or any store, it's like, like they want to just go see the Lego section. And the Lego section is the biggest section in, in every store you go to. Like, there's going to be multiple aisles for Lego. Right. And, um, yeah, I think it's just genius. Like, so you, you know, you, and you have different IPs constantly being, uh, added. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a massive part of the business. Um, like we have licensed IPs and then we have what we call homegrown IPs, hmm. um, that we sort of created from scratch ourselves. Um, and the, the, the licensed IPs is sort of like a bit of a double-edged sword because like it's extremely like lucrative and it obviously it sells on its own. Like we literally don't have to put marketing on it because like uh, Disney uh, would put a, a pretty big movie uh, behind Star Wars sort of like maybe every other year. Um, and obviously the sets would connect to that movie. So it would do really well. Um, but like if, if certain IPs were down and they weren't, you know, having support from like Warner brothers, then it would bring more volatility to, to the business. And so we would have to depend on like, uh, mm -hmm. other stuff. Um, and it sort of, it, it was getting to the point where there was a lot of debate internally where, yeah, you, you talk to kids and you ask them like, what, what is Lego? And then they're like, oh, Lego is a character. It's mm -hmm. like oh Legos like Spider Man Legos like Batman, and but they and we don't they wouldn't buy it unless it was tied to like Marvel. Oh, um, interesting. So we're like oh like is this is this not a good thing because then we're like almost too reliant on the IP and like what about like what we really are and so like the Lego City or the Lego Classic which was like yeah. the core Lego building experience and using your own imagination and creativity was like suffering. So that's like a constant battle actually of like how um how do we sort of transform and, and bring freshness to hmm. you know some of that core stuff yeah well and i think at least i can speak for my kids so i have four boys uh, they all love lego and we have so many lego sets but the only lego sets that are still intact are the ones that i have behind me on the shelf you know because right. inevitably they spend hours building and uh maybe it'll last a week or two but then like their imagination takes over and they're building something totally different and they're expanding on it which yeah. you know when i grew up i grew up with uh like a, a big kind of rectangle box full of just a variety of lego and i i still remember like um you know building spaceships with my dad you know like there was no spaceship lego at that point but we would just take different lego and, and we would build uh spaceships but yeah so i think i think just in general kids like that uh their imagination is going to take over and i think lego is just like this perfect uh to mix metaphors like a sandbox to really just you know build and and kind of do whatever you want and and it just is it's so catered to to that um yeah but it's interesting to hear of kind of the the debate of 
like relying too much on IPs and um, yeah. I mean, so when you talk about licensed IP, you know, we're talking about like Star Wars, uh, but then you have your in-house brands that right. you know you're launching. Um, I I googled or I YouTubed your name and came across this. This launch of Nexo Nights. Was it, is it Nexo? Okay. I, I was a little saying? bit scared for a second. It's like when you get Googled, you're like, oh gosh, like what is going to come up? <laughs> no, it was, it's called Nexo Nights, right? It was yep, you and yep. uh, there was one other guy. Um, you guys are like, you're, you're somewhere. There's a bunch of kids. I'm just sure there's a bunch right. of adults in the background. Um, and you're, you're talking about the launch of, of Nexo Nights. That's, that's an in-house Lego yes. IP. Yeah, just yes. like Lego City and like Lego Classic and all this. Correct, um, or like a Ninjago. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. My yeah. kids love Ninjago. Um, what uh, what was your role at Lego? And, and I'm assuming it had something to do with that. If you're you're there announcing this new kind of uh, product, but yeah, what did you do? And um, I guess what what were you most proud of for when you look back at the seven plus eight years that you were at Lego. Um, you know, what are you just really stoked about? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a nice question. Like not enough people ask, like, you know, of those happy moments. Um, like Lego was a huge breath of fresh air because prior to Lego, I was at Procter Gamble for like eight years. Hmm. And my first job, I was literally like, an assistant brand manager on sanitary napkins. Um, like hey, my... Super important during COVID, right? <laughs> very important. Yeah. Very important. <laughs> uh, like my, my first day in the office at that time, this is in Japan. I walk in and this guy has got all these like napkins, sanitary napkins, like laid out on his table and he's like smelling them. It's like some Indian dude. And I walked in, I was like, what is going on? He was looking at me, he was laughing, I was laughing. Um, and they gave me like the responsibility of like building the brand and marketing like panty liners. They're like, your job is to be the single biggest expert in panty liners in Japan. Like you have to know more than <laughs> what a job. anybody else. <laughs> wow. <clears throat> um, and so um yeah after doing like uh pads and panty liners and then like shampoo uh lego was a huge breath of fresh air um <laughs> as you can I'm imagine <laughs> um because it just opened up a whole sort of world of like looking at brands differently and um something that has a different sort of impact, right? Obviously, you know, necessities and those sort of goods are, are very important. Like, you know, we need pads, we need shampoo, but um, there, there's a higher level order of um, importance that that perhaps, you know, something like Lego uh, can, can deliver. Um, and I think there were, yeah, I think two two things that I was really kind of happy and proud of um, because my my career at Lego was sort of split into two. Uh, so so one was like um, regional, like Southeast Asia, APAC marketing. Um, and then the second was like incubation for new sort of business models. Um, and so that Nexonite's experience was actually really exciting 
because um, it was this concept whereby we wanted to recreate the next Ninjago because Ninjago was a running success. Um, like the company was going to kill it <clears throat> and kids wrote back in and they said, don't. Uh, wow. So they brought it back. Um, yeah, and Ninjago. It, to this... Well, let me just quickly say, so we let, we live you know just outside Orlando and uh, Legoland is like 45 minutes down the road. And so we've oh, gone to awesome. Legoland. Yeah, and uh, the the highlight of all of Legoland is the Ninjago ride, and so my kids just love that. And like when you when you go into the Ninjago kind of world, you got, like it's it's all themed, um, and you so you're walking, and it feels like you're in you know in the same area of like the TV show, and it's uh, yeah, it was, it's really cool. Yeah, like Ninjago is um, is a great um, success, like and. How do you say the model was the same um you 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 build an ip via creating a story um around these characters so it gives them this personality hmm. and this emotional connection to um kids um and then around that story um, you know, you, they want to get the toy and they want to get, you know, the good guy, the bad guy and this and that. But every six months you, you flip the story, uh, new season, right? So it's a new environment, um, new weapons. So it, it creates a little bit of that FOMO of like you, you know, the kid wants that latest thing because he's watching it on TV and he's talking about it with, with, yeah. you know, his friends at the playground. So. The company wanted to like <clears throat> repeat success, hmm. uh, so to speak, and they thought, "Hey, um, knights always have this kind of like DNA with Lego." Um, hmm. Yet, and at the time, I think this was two thousand and seventeen, eighteen, uh, where like everything was going like digital. Um, kids were changing their behaviors. Hmm. Um, and so they're like, let's make them like these digitized, like knights on like steroids. Um, and um, it, it had this whole sort of storyline where um, they're interacting with like this virtual wizard um, who's giving them special powers. Um, and they kind of grow together as friends, blah, blah, blah. But, but I think what was exciting was like, for me, I didn't want to just launch whatever, uh, global was doing. And I wanted mm -hmm. to like, just take things with a different spin and create genuinely fun experiences. And so mm -hmm. one of the things that we did was we knew that the real retail environment is a great place where you don't only buy lego but you you should experience lego like mm. you know if you walk in the, into an apple store yeah uh you feel like you are enjoying your time and you're getting to demo different things uh much less uh, like uh being sold uh apple um uh, like the merch is just sort of on the sides it's it's quite kind of um uh sort of hidden in in, in that sort of sense um, and so 
this concept of retailtainment. So we created this like arcade game um, where you could be like the Nexo Knight. And we had this like sort of plastic sword and shields where these kids, we could like fight the enemies and it had, you know, all the, the technology where it was, you know, looking at their motions and this and that. And these kids were beating this arcade game to death. Like they were literally <laughs> smacking the screens. So, and we had some senior executives who were sitting in the Singapore office and they're like, guys, what is going on? Like, I just went to the store and it's like broken. Like it's completely <laughs> torn to shreds. So we're like, that, that can't be a terrible thing. He's like, fix it now. Um, but it was uh it was so fun because it was something that we pioneered and we created and the rest of europe and the us were like whoa that is that is pretty that is pretty crazy um that's really cool so, yeah um that that was one one experience that uh was was really fun i think i think the main one um that i really remember um was when i was in the the business model sort of incubation team so um, within Lego, uh, there is a sort of unit called Creative Play Lab. Um, and its job is, it's almost like an R&D innovation center hmm. um, that's supposed to pump out either a completely new, radically different experience. Um, which tends to be a little bit like fidgetal, um, hmm. or look towards new business model opportunities. So for example, like we, we make money via selling uh, bricks, but what if we made money differently? Like what if we, for example, this is one of the ideas and it probably, you know, wouldn't surface, but you know, kids have, I'm sure you have all this Lego that's sitting around and what if we just sold like building instructions digitally mm. and yeah. you, you just, you just paid for those and kids could, you know, use whatever they had at home to, to kind of like build things. Yeah. No. And I mean, that's literally something that my kids do. They, they're like, Hey, can you go get the PDF instructions of this playset? And they're just going to build it to the best that, you know, that they can. Yeah. And so, you know, they do that. Yeah. Um, and so, we we were trying to sort of um, create experiences that would extend the life of the toy. Mm. Um, and at that time, um, subscription was very popular, right? You know, uh, Spotify or or this or that, and it creates this loyalty. Yeah. Um, and so, and I can probably talk about it because like it, the idea got canned. Um, but I, I put, I put like my sweat, everything. I was, I was a product owner of, of like creating something and going from zero to one. Like, so it's not like there's already existing ideas and let's go launch it. Like they're literally yeah. looking at teams, agile teams and like come up with something, figure out what's a problem to solve, um, create an MVP, demo it. Uh, get investment and scale. Um, and so the initial phase was we were like, okay, um, the problem is there's so many sets out there. 
you don't know where to start. <clears throat> you don't know where to go next. So we called it like Lego Journey. Hmm. And it was a sort of like subscription where it's like you would get this set and then it would feed you the next set and then the next set. Um, and then, you that, know. Yeah, no, that's cool. It's like a roadmap. I mean, yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. It's like it's like a Web three become Web two roadmap. So, yeah, you know, and ideally, kids would grow with that experience, um, while, uh, how do you say, um, building up their capabilities. Um, at the same time, parents they actually don't know what to buy. Right. They, mm. they don't know what's left from right. You know, there's like literally 500 different products. Um, and then, you know, it, it brings in more revenue for, uh, for, for Lego, right. Which, which is great. And there are parts of the company that loved it. I was going around the whole company, like pitching it to, you know, e-commerce and, and this and that. And like a lot of the VPs loved it. Our own incubation unit, they were a little bit skeptical and they were sort of like, where's the fundamental play in this idea? Um, how are you innovating the play itself versus like retrofitting, you know, mm. how do we, you know, Spotify Lego? So it's like, okay, fine. So, so then along, we, we sort of pivoted a little bit where one of our designers came up with this idea, like, okay, not only do you get a subscription, not only do you get Lego journey, but you get something that, that boosts your play. It's mm -hmm. like this app, this digital experience that will feed you like ideas to, mm -hmm. to, to, to play differently. And that evolved because I, I realized, um, at the time my, my kid was two. Um, and, um, when I'm playing with my kid, like, let's say I have a car and I'm driving it up and down and maybe he's entertained for like 15 seconds and, and then I'm done. Like I have no more ideas. Like, I, I don't know what, what to do. And then my, my wife who comes over, who's actually like a preschool teacher and who interacts with kids, uh, all the time, like she comes, just comes up with this stuff and we're like, wait a minute, there, there's maybe this insight where like parents, uh, they wish that they could help their kids with like different ideas, but they lack it. Hmm. Um, some kids are very creative, but there are many kids who maybe they need a little bit of like a jump start. Hmm. Um, so then we, we, we chucked the entire kind of like subscription model and we just said, okay, uh, it's a digital service called the play coach. Hmm. Um, and you pay X amount for that episode and you can couple it with like whatever set you want that will coach or boost the play of that kind of hmm. item. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. What kind of enhances the, the product just even more. Did, and did that, was that greenlit? So that, it sort of went into the backlog because there were other ideas that were sort of um, at a high level strategic objective, trying to achieve the same thing, but were maybe further along <clears throat> from an MVP perspective. So 
um, obviously I was like totally gutted because I literally spent like a year with this team, like building this product and the strategy and, you know, sold it around. And yeah, but what we did end up launching, which is in the market as of last June. Um, so you should, you should check it out. If, if you haven't already, be, be keen to see what you think about it. Um, it's called Lego city missions. <clears throat> and the, the proposition um, is um, build, uh, build with missions, not instructions. Hmm. Oh, this is cool. Yeah. I'm on the landing page. Yeah. So like um, there's no instruction sheets. And um, for example, let's say you have the base bricks of a spaceship, but rather than saying, put this here or there, It'll say, uh, oh, no, like um, uh, a meteor is coming. Um, we need to like do something. Help us. Like the app says that. And then the right. kid will kind of like build something to kind of fix that problem. And then once you sort of get beyond that, then there's a new problem. That's and cool. yeah, we, it was really cool because I was working together yeah. with our story lead who had a lot of experience in the film industry. And there's every every story every movie has a story arc you know mm. there, there's a problem that needs to be solved and then you know everybody gets saved and then there's this hurrah moment and so uh quite quite proud of that as well like it's it's actually on the shelves and i do believe that that's a stepping stone to like you know more things to come it's really cool yeah so lego missions sounds very similar to your lego journeys idea yeah um, correct it's it's essentially I get like if I'm gonna summarize it, it's like a, it's kind of like a loyalty system, but it's also like this. There's like this incentivizing to continue on that journey, which then just uh, kind of en enhances the experience of the like the kid, but then also like you know puts money in the bank accounts of Lego because they just yeah, are gonna keep keep adding, uh, and there's like. <clears throat> This is going to be my segue. So, <laughs> my segue <laughs> to Web three, as we're you know for forty minutes in talking about Lego, and I could <laughs> keep asking you questions, but um, I mean there's there's so many parallels when I when I think about like NFT projects and how they're rolling out, you know, loyalty or even like like Starbucks, you know, like doing it in a mass scale way, you know, albeit beta, and I've signed up and I'm and I'm waiting still to get my my invite Starbucks if you're here. Um, but, um, you know, like it's, it's this idea of, of loyalty and, and incentivization and the blockchain is just so, so geared towards that. Um, so I'd, I'd be curious to get, uh, your thoughts on, I mean, just parallels that you see, but parallels you see from, you know, your time at Lego and, and in incubation and what was it called? The creative playgrounds. Was that creative play lab? Creative Play Lab, yeah, which is a cool name. Uh, but so it was about a year ago you left Lego and you just went all into Web three. Um, how did yeah. that? How how did you even like? What was your thought process? Like, what made you take the plunge? Yeah, um, <clears throat> it. it, it it all started with a mince. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, 
<laughs> it all started with a mint and discord and then and then i went down the rabbit hole um i, I took the what is it the red pill um yeah <coughs> um what was the project so um most of our first I, projects by the way are, are horrible and not worth mentioning yeah like I had been dabbling at a very superficial level with crypto, you know, buying some stuff since 2018. Um, I came at the top of, of uh, the market in 2018. So obviously, you know, that went down by 80% and I sort of forgot about it. Right. And then it, it came back. Uh, I think it was like Q4 of 2020, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Um, uh yeah yeah i think you're right yeah yeah my my years all messed up but um i was kind of coming back and then uh i was religiously like watching this guy named journey uh jaron y um he's like i'd say top five yeah crypto nft influencer you know in, in, in the industry and uh and it's like, I say I was religiously watching those videos, but I didn't watch the ones that were NFT related, which was so stupid because he was talking about board apes and, oh man, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. So that selective listening was, was a very, very poor decision. Um, and he mentioned he was going to launch an NFT. Um, and then I, I heard of this project called clone x mm. um and i was like hey that sounds really cool and they were saying that they were going to do this like advertising in um like in new york and it was going to like be big and i had this other friend who was a little bit more into nfts than i was at the time and he was like super bullish and he's like dude like this is gonna like really be long term go super well which at that point i knew nothing and so um, so I, I literally like woke up in the middle of the night to mint it. First time entering Discord, seeing like Elmo GIFs on fire and <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and and the mint like it it messed up. Like they they had uh like a um some some issue with with the contract, I think, a couple of hours after in the, the initial mint. So it's like everything was going crazy. And they said, well, we'll come back in a couple of days. And so I was like, okay, um, I'm going to go for it. Because initially it was, it was a, um, um, they were going to kind of like target it at, at three ETH. Um, and then they, they said that, I even forget the name because it's, it's been a while, but like, you know, where they, they slowly dropped the price. Oh, um, Dutch, Dutch auction. auction. Yeah, yeah, it was Dutch auction. They were going to say, okay, Thursday, Dutch auction uh which was going to be 3 a.m 3 a.m my time so i was like okay perfect so then i i wake up at 2 50 in the morning like a new you know being totally unprepared and then they announce dutch auction canceled two ETH. that's it so everybody's going nuts i i did have metamask but i was not very familiar with it i still had my money sitting on an exchange oh, i was trying to connect to the site it wasn't connecting like i was like oh man it's like what am i doing total failure um so clone x and... was your first 
did you did you successfully mint? No, I didn't. I didn't. Oh. No, and I wish I did because, I mean, it, yeah, it was expensive at the time. But my buddy who minted, uh, he he minted one, and the um, artifact team felt bad about like you know switching from uh, Dutch auction to you know just mm. to ETH, and community was upset, and so they said they would airdrop to the people, some of the people who had minted initially, and so my buddy got two. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, for, nice. for the price of uh, three ETH, which was, you know, quite, quite kind of nice. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and I mean, what's, it wasn't long after, so I wasn't, I was, I was kind of like watching the Clone X mint happen, um, but it really wasn't that long after when like the gigantic announcement came out that Nike was buying it like yeah. completely it wasn't just like a partnership they were like buying the project uh and it was yeah, kind of like, their... like 10 days later uh, after the mint i think so yeah and there was all this i remember all the speculation of like if like people already knew uh like at the time but um yeah and then like nike's gone on to make last i read there were like a hundred i think last year they made 182 million dollars through web three efforts. So that's like clone X that's through their, you know, they have a whole Nike land in, uh, in Roblox, um, you know, and they have, they have like a ton of digital kind of, uh, emphasis metaverse type activations. And then they just launched something called like swoosh. I think I don't even know much about that, but Okay, wow. So Clonex was your first like experience of like joining Discord. And that's a that's a pretty wild one to to be a first. <laughs> yeah, pretty pr pretty wild. And so, you know, after that experience, uh, I definitely learned my my lessons of you know trying to uh, understand something and figure out Discord and and um, I I grinded for uh, grinded real hard. My entire Christmas was snapped <laughs> up by grinding speaking to teenagers about uh, what they had for breakfast and I'd be around, you know, the city with my wife and she was like, what are you doing? Like it, it got quite contentious, but, and I was like, trust me, like, this is, this is going to be like, this is going to be big. And um, I, I even needed to enter a competition for it. Uh, so. And this they, is when you're gr grinding for a whitelist spot, like in discord, is that what you're talking about? Yeah, so I, I I grinded like crazy. So I literally I owned the Canadian channel. Like I was like I was I lived in the Canadian channel. I knew all the other <laughs> Canadians that were there, um, welcoming everybody. Hey, how are you? How's your day? And you know whatever. <laughs> um, and uh, I was probably at least like level twenty. Um, <laughs> spending at least like I think five hours a day. Yeah. Um, you went from incubation at Lego to grinding <laughs> Discord whitelists. Um, yeah, to to like to dancing and singing for them, like that is it's insane. <laughs> like they they held this, they selected, they said we're gonna hold a dancing slash singing competition. I was like, because I, I used to be a break dancer. Oh, um, that's cool. Like just 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 for fun, and then my wife, uh, she's. Uh, you know, a pretty good singer and plays the piano, very much more talented than I am. And they they said, we're going to have this competition. It's going to be, you know, in front of um, our ent entire 
Discord audience uh, will select 15 lucky people. And wow. I was selected. Wow. I was like, oh my goodness. And then so I was like, honey, um, there's this thing that I need you to do and it's going to be at 11 p.m. at night. And she's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so we, we got the whitelist finally. So this was for Invisible Friends, which was, mm. I think, one of probably the top two or three most hype projects in Q1 of last year. Oh, yeah. That, you know, the, the mint was 0.25, but on secondary, off the bat, I think the first person bought it at 15 ETH, yeah. and then it was averaging between like 9 to 11. Um, yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty insane. Um, and ha have you, so have you held on to that Invisible Friends that you minted? <laughs> or did you flip it right away? I was hoping you wouldn't ask that question. Is, is, it, so, uh... is this your Nutcracker Lego set or is this the Christmas <laughs> X-Wing? <clears throat> yeah, so this is this is the Nutcracker, unfortunately. So, you know, I'm I'm proudly sporting that that picture, which uh you know would used to be worth like forty thousand US dollars. Uh things, things which... <laughs> can always change. You also have the story. There's there's something about like the minting experience and you know it's you have the it's verifiable via the blockchain nothing's going to change that it's uh and you have the story behind it so yeah. you can tell your grandkids one day yeah exactly i i can tell them that you know daddy can only afford mcdonald's today you know because <laughs> <laughs> he great. wanted to keep a picture yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's great um, um so what are, what are yeah. you doing in Web3 now? Yeah, so like, how do you say that? That initial experience went from grinding to realizing there is a legitimate opportunity here. Um, mm -hmm. And the first person to bring me in, uh, I, I would join all these AMAs on, on a community, you know, with uh, the hopes of winning a whitelist. And it was a project called uh, Karafuru. Um, which uh, not the level of hype as, as uh, Invisible Friends, but, you know, a decent level of hype. It was some some major influencers were saying this was going to be, you know, their Azuki redemption because they missed that one. Um, it had a collaboration with uh, Hypebeast and Atmos, which are, you know, two very large uh, lifestyle brands. And so, so I joined the AMA. Um, and long story short, I, I asked them a question, which I felt was uh, going to get me a whitelist. Um, um, because like the people who join these AMAs, they're, I guess they're, they're DGENs and they're like teenagers. Like, you know, what, what, what do yeah. their, their level of experience with regards to like, you know, professionalism and marketing is maybe, you know, not to the same level as like an oldie like me. So I asked the question and they, they, didn't really know how to answer it. They they kind of gave it some lip service, and and the founder was like, "Bro, I want to hire you." <laughs> and I was like, "What?" And again on the Discord, there were Elmos on fire. Everybody's like, "What's going on?" AMA turns <laughs> job interview. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I thought he was joking, uh, but we we connected a few days later. We started to have weekly meetings. And 
and I think he was attracted because I had, you know, this IP experience from Lego mm-hmm. and Karafu in some senses was trying to be an IP. And I, I had some perspective on that. So they, he said, like, we could really use your help. So I was giving a little bit of like marketing advisory on like where it could potentially go, trying to help them connect with like Hollywood producers in uh, in the US or folks from Netflix that, you know, I got some contacts from an ex-colleague um, to sort of pave a larger potential of like what IP could, could truly mean. Hmm, wow. That is the most Web3... <laughs> type thing to happen yeah. that's incredible <laughs> yeah and obviously uh, it was the bull market so it was very very euphoric like yeah Kenny right yeah yeah everyone is just yeah i yeah it's very different now like the people that are in it now still are the people that are uh like they're actually in it for the technology like we've all lost money probably <laughs> you know yeah. on our nfts that we are still holding um, but well, I think what gets us excited, what gets me excited is like the technology and kind of the, the promise it has and the potential it has. Um, do you, um, so was, was that your first like web three position out, out of Lego? Yeah, that, that, I mean, I was actually doing that part-time while I was at Lego. So I was like, okay. um, moonlighting there. Um, and, and I was just shouting at Lego, like, guys, like Web3, get it together. Mm-hmm. Like, we've got to figure something out. But, you know, giant companies, they they don't understand. They're like, oh, isn't that bad for the environment? Um, <laughs> and yeah, perhaps there is some degree of truth to it. But, you know, technology evolves. It gets more efficient. It uh, gets better. So, um, but yeah, like I... I, I then got an offer to join uh, Kraken to to help launch the NFT marketplace. So it was at that point where it was sort of like a corporate Web3 web gig and moonlighting Web3 project advisory. And I was like, okay, um, hmm. I don't want to miss this boat. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it's going to go. I haven't exactly, you know, uh, known that space for a very long time. But if it's, if it's any time, it better be now versus like, I regret five years from now, like mm. I should have taken that jump. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, Kraken has that, had that corporate, I mean, they're still around. They're like one of the exchanges. Um, yeah. And, and like they regularly release market reports and really helpful analysis on kind of the state of the market, um, which I, you know, benefit from quite often. But so you were a part of their their nft marketplace launch correct yeah so that was like a, a zero to one sort of a situation where um you know obviously everybody's uncle and auntie was launching a nft marketplace <laughs> so they, they wanted to as well and uh given the how do you say um respects and security uh heavy approach that that Kraken takes, they felt that they could offer a more kind of safe proposition mm-hmm. uh, to the market um, that over the long term, hopefully, you know, will will, will be a, a proposition that, you know, traders and consumers will, will find valuable. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that's cool. And um, where are you now with Web three? Yeah, so <laughs> it's like things things change a lot. Uh, I I started to to work at a Web three launchpad uh named uh project gojira um since a number of months ago um which um yeah they're great great kind of leadership and um they bring in a lot of like professional web 2 people to to help like they've got like m a people bankers um kind of like blue chip marketers like myself um trying to build out you know, how can there be a launch pad slash services to, to make the space, uh, better. Um, and, uh, yeah, like the, the founder has a really good heart. Like he, um, there are some issues, you know, in the web three space where, you know, people get scams or there was one, one challenge very recently where the guy was like, oh, uh, my aunt is in the hospital. I don't have enough money. Uh, mm. I have to sell my, my Gen 2. I really don't want to sell my Gen 1. Uh, like Gen 2 at its peak was like 8 ETH. Gen 1 at its peak was 25 ETH. Now it's like, I guess, 1 ETH and 7 ETH respectively. But And the founder was like, okay, we got to help this guy. So then, you know, uh, contributing to that guy as well as going through the community to, to say, mm. hey, we got to help our, our family uh here so there's a lot of like you know good that that yeah. can also come out of these communities yeah absolutely yeah i mean and on that note let's uh let's talk about the good of web3 and some of the the value that you see there you you just mentioned the community aspect um i mean i'd be curious to get you to talk more about that or you know what what gets you most excited about web3 and, and its potential yeah, like I, I, I see, um, I see tons of potential from a commercial perspective, and I also see tons of potential from a, I guess, non-commercial, you know, making things better, sort of a perspective, and and I think to to put a little bit of a context around where we are now, and this is what I was sharing with somebody last week who was looking to figure out NFTs for the company hmm. was like, we are in the same phase of that first dot com boom and busts where anything that named itself dot com or listed shares under the guise of dot com, like just went to the moon, um, which is the same now, anything that was like NFT went to the moon. Uh, but after the crash, it was the Yahoo's of the world and the, the Google's of the world who were building, realizing mm. that .com would be a, a platform upon which you would build a legitimate business um, and service. So I believe that we're sort of at that same juncture where the real builders are building, using technology of crypto as well as uh, a rather blockchain and um nfts where you know a few years down the road perhaps even faster like i don't think we're going to talk about nfts anymore 
uh, we don't say, I'm going to use the internet today. Like, we just say, I'm going to buy a shirt or I'm going to like order food and we use、yeah. the internet.、Um, so, I think it's exactly going to be the same way.、Um, and so, from a commercial perspective and being the brand guy and marketing guy that I am, I see there's always been a trend of going from mass brands to、uh, direct to consumer, more customized brand experiences.、Um, so, you had Nikes of the world and, and the Adidas of the world, but you also had your, your smaller shops that you know, they would direct to ship,、um, more customized your needs.、Um, and I think that. For example, if the Legos of the world or the Nikes of the world you know, adopt NFTs, it can create、um, direct to consumer e commerce sort of on steroids.、Mm. Um, and I even I read the other day like a McKinsey report on the metaverse and this whole ecosystem, estimating that I think the e commerce business is going to be like. I don't know, something ridiculous like, like、uh, 5 like, trillion, I think, by 2030. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Huge. <clears throat> so I, I think the writing is on the wall because, like,、uh, brands and businesses desire to provide these experiences, and they are, but、um, there isn't, you know, technology yet that they understand to、um, deliver that、uh, experience. So I think, like, token gated、um, communities and experiences to not only bring Uh, better products and services to the end consumer will happen. <laughs> But I also think, how do you、um, leverage your community to、uh, almost co create back together?、Mm-hmm. Right? So, as, as we know, the power of community,、uh, you can create this rational and intensively irrational loyalty to. Yeah.、Uh, in this community where they're, and they love to build, they love to share ideas.、Um, and so I, I see the growth of a creator economy、um, that is better facilitated through the technology、um, that will also make things more open versus closed,、um, which then can spur on you know, more experimentation, creativity. Um, and therefore delivering more value. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I 100% agree with you.、Um, how, how do you see, you know, let's say, let's say, and let's, let's think of、uh, like nonprofits and the NGOs of the world for, for right now. So I don't know what, like, what, what are some of the biggest nonprofits you have in Singapore of curiosity? Have you heard of like Charity Water or, You know, charity water, they drill wells in developing world, you know, countries that, that need clean water, just access to clean water. That's their mission.、Um, not, not as familiar, but definitely aware there's a number of those sort of programs around. Yes. Yeah. So, like, when we think of、uh, mission kind of driven organizations, you know, companies that are not in it for a profit, how can they use Leb,、uh, Web3 to, Kind of harness that community in a new way, in a new global way. And I mean, like, where would they even, how do they even start? Like, what does、mm. that look like?、Mm. Yeah.、Um, 
I think the 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 interesting thing, um, and and I always start with like first principles and and truths and and insights, right? So, for example, when I was giving that example of Lego, um, you can think about all these sort of glamorous sort of business models, but like the the basic truth is that like um, there needs to be fun in the play, mm. or you know, a parent needs ideas so it, it starts from this core need or core truth um and i think that there's a core truth with regards to um how people want to be in like tribes and groups of like-minded people um you can see that where people sort of physically gather from like a gathering perspective you know in real life um you know facebook also had a strategy uh a number of years ago where it was like they're trying to create like facebook groups and then you know as they gather those people then there's surfacing of common interests and, and passions and, and so on and so forth and so the beauty of of web3 is that it really brings together people who have a particular passion um, and desire to add value, like um, where they have certain skill sets that that they think that that they can offer um, that in some ways uh, could be more exciting for them than maybe what they do during the day. Um, and not to not to digress completely, but I do think we are heading in a direction of like not the one job career, but like a portfolio career hmm. where people will be doing multiple things uh, sort of at the same time because you know things will be outsourced and in AI and, and and this and that, as well as you know Web three enabling that. So yeah, I think like an NGO or any sort of entity which truly has a powerful like cause, like the why, if you, if you like, I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek yeah. and he talks about like, what's your why. And when you, when you have a strong why, and when you have a strong founder uh, who really is um, compelled to, to, you know, push that cause, there are going to be people who, um, want to propel that mission as well um and we'll gather and you know incubate ideas or how can we help solve that problem and they'll come from all different backgrounds of different expertise all around the world yeah yeah no i, I love that um and it is a really interesting way i think the blockchain gives us to to galvanize audiences in a global way um like what what you said about you know, the future, like we might not just be working for one organization. People might be working for several and they kind of have the essence of what a DAO is, a decentralized autonomous organization. You know, and you can imagine DAOs being built around causes and people contributing to that cause and being rewarded for their contribution. But then, you know, people might have four causes that they're contributing that their their skill set to. And, and, you know, all together, all four of those kind of make up their, 
their livelihood and their living. Uh, like that's probably going to be reality. I don't see why that wouldn't be because it's it's more efficient for the organization. Um, in, in a lot of cases, I mean, you're going to have people that are there kind of full time, kind of casting the vision for what that those those DAOs are. Um, but yeah, it's interesting kind of what the blockchain gives us uh, the ability to, to do. Yeah, I was even talking to a um, kind of like a startup pre Christmas, and their vision is to kind of be like the metaverse of Job Street or in the metaverse of LinkedIn in some ways not that grand but they're they're realizing there's this massive talent pool in like less developed uh countries like say southeast asia you know philippines and indonesia and there's a way to to train them up or there's already existing talent and how they can find work um, and help contribute from a Web3 perspective or whatever it is back to hmm. other countries. Um, and they just want to use the metaverse as a place where people sort of gather and, and, and have that community and you equip them with, with tools. And so um, I think this will happen both organically as well as in a structured manner to, to kind of yeah. enable people to, to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything I missed? Anything I should have asked you? This has been like so much fun. I've really enjoyed this. Um, yeah, I don't know. To be honest, like we could, I literally talked to a guy yesterday for five hours. Like, I'm not even kidding. Like, it was supposed for, to be was a, it for a, a one hour. It wasn't for a podcast, but like, you should have made it a podcast. <laughs> we should have. Like, he, he's a founder of a project and. And then he was like, actually, I, I, I need somebody like you. And so I was like, hold, hold on. You're getting job offers left and right, Kevin. <laughs> it's not, not um, a bad thing. Yeah, but it's, I, I think it's, it's really interesting, the, the opportunities of Web3. Literally this morning when I woke up, uh, I got a LinkedIn message from a company called Business Models Inc. Is that we used while I was at Lego to kind of start off on that journey. Like what's the process of how do you innovate <clears throat> the business model um, sort of process? Um, and he just wrote me and he said, like, we're also looking into Web3 hmm. as a way to bring innovation. Um, so I, th I really think like the writing is on the wall. Yeah. Um, and you're you're seeing it constantly and so you know whether it's bull or bear yeah i'm i'm actually busier than i ever was like i yeah. even more than the 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 bull market it's which is interesting well and they kind of say bear markets are for building um right but it is it's super interesting like people are are like quietly building a lot of really innovative new uh, platforms and technologies, things that are just going to make when the next bull run hits and all hysteria comes back will make everything easier. And people won't even know why, but it's going to be because of the people that are actually building all these tools right now. Uh, just like just even onboarding into, you know, two years ago, like spinning up a MetaMask wallet 
was not nearly or, or using OpenSea, these things were not nearly as good as they are today. And they're only yeah. going to get better and new, you know, new platforms are going to come out. Um, yeah. Well, thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate your time. Yeah. Appreciate your time as well. Uh, it was a ton of fun to, uh, yeah, just chat about this stuff and we should do it again. We should. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to go to sleep and I'll let you get on with your day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it's getting weight, weight on your side. So, so thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. No, thank you. All yeah. right. Take care, Kevin. Okay. Take it easy. Bye. Okay. Bye.